the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, we're up to session 46 in our revived series, Oh, That First Means That, which began in 2022, airing from January through September, with 31 programs. But in May of this year, 2023, this series was brought back by popular demand. If you'd like to access the original 31 archived sessions or catch any of these new sessions, just go to faithtalk1360.com and search under Local Program Podcasts. Friends, today we'll once again become detectives of the divine. So let's get our detective's cap on, pull out our spiritual magnifying glass, and strap on our biblical sandals, as these are absolutely essential as we dress for the occasion, that being our next investigative assignment. So let's suit up with our detective's uniform, which is fast becoming our spiritual warfare wardrobe. Because this attire is designed to protect us from cavalierly and authoritatively blurting out what we think a verse or a portion of scripture means. I'm convinced there are times we don't even realize we're imposing a personal or modern perspective on the texts we read. I often wonder why many of us so easily misuse the scriptures. Bible scholars were actually polled on this question. They answered, declining biblical literacy questionable Bible translations, and preachers who don't do their homework. Shame on us! Now, I believe sincere Christians overall want to know what Bible verses mean, but often miss their actual meanings because they tend to focus on what they expect or want to find in these verses. Let's be honest for a moment, friends. We do crave our spiritual quick fix, don't we? You know, ingesting that little biblical morsel for the day so we can get on with life. But friends, shouldn't we invest a little time in God's Word? Wouldn't this respect the Holy Spirit? Since He's the author and inspirer of our scriptures, God's Word is worth it, isn't it? Our goal should be to be sure we're doing the scriptures justice. 
Perhaps you've discovered, like I have, that investing a little extra time to observe the context of verses we read reap great rewards, one being protecting ourselves from so easily and readily abusing Scripture. Friends, it should bother us that up till now we've earmarked 45 Bible verses that are misconstrued or misunderstood and then misinterpreted and ultimately misapplied. So here's my appeal. How about we ignite a new desire to be more faithful and more careful to scrutinize Bible verses we've thought meant one thing because we're discovering time after time they actually mean something different. And let me just repeat, friends, I take no pleasure in shining a spiritual spotlight on or get any glee from critically reassessing Bible verses that are flagrantly misinterpreted by some of us pastors, teachers, and preachers. And you know why? Because the Bible has its own story to tell us. It's crying out, screaming out to tell us its story. But what do we pastors, teachers, and preachers, and even average Christians do? We force or manipulate the Bible to tell our story. So I say, shame on us. Well, today's session, our scripture portion under surveillance, will again be Ephesians six ten through 20, 11 interconnected verses that are screaming out to tell us their story, a story we sometimes orphan from one of the running themes of the letter of Ephesians. So today's session C is Armish Marmor, what's all the fuss about? And why I believe we should now and then reattach these 11 verses to the running theme of a spiritual battle we're actually introduced to in chapter 1, it's easy to miss because there's a tendency to obsess over the letter's grand theme of predestination also introduced in chapter 1. This often overshadows Paul's twice mention of the heavenly realms and the buzzwords he likes to flash around in his letters like rule, authority, power, and dominion, terms directly linked to orders or ranks of angelic beings, both elect and evil. So, friends, right at the get-go, Paul wants his readers to realize he's addressing otherworldly matters, and his use of these identical buzzwords in chapter 6 ties it to the whole of the letter, and especially the exploits of the evil angels, or demons as we call them. At first glance, these 11 verses seem benign, even self-explanatory. We may even wonder why we're scrutinizing them in today's session. Well, I've said before that our scripture under scrutiny occasionally fits better in the category of discovering that the texts mean something deeper, and not just something different. Friends, sometimes we run the risk of strictly depending on our English translations when some key words and concepts come alive and expand our spiritual horizons when we dig a little deeper into the Bible's wonderful languages. And why I prefer reading all 11 verses of Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 to keep alive the broader theme of the spiritual battle before us. And I'll read from the voice translation again. While a less familiar and dynamically driven translation, its particular word choices paint a more expressive and vivid picture for us as onlookers and listeners living and reading it some 21 centuries after it was originally composed. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, draw your strength and might from God. Put on the full armor of God to protect yourselves from the devil and his evil schemes. We're not waging war against enemies of flesh and blood alone. No, this fight is against tyrants, against authorities, against supernatural powers, and demon princes that slither in the darkness of this world, and against wicked spiritual armies that lurk about in heavenly places. All this is why you need to be head to toe in the full armor of God, so you can resist during these evil days and be fully prepared to hold your ground. Yes, stand, truth banded around your waist, righteousness as your chestplate, and feet protected in preparation to proclaim the good news of peace. And just an FYI, today's text is verse 14, here described as truth banded around your waist, perhaps more commonly expressed the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The text continues, Don't forget to raise the shield of faith above all else, so you'll be able to extinguish flaming arrows or spears hurled at you from the wicked one. Take also the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray always. Pray in the Spirit. Pray about everything in every way you know how. And keeping all this in mind, pray on behalf of God's people. Keep on praying feverishly and be on the lookout until evil has been stayed. And please pray for me. Pray that truth will be with me before I even open my mouth. Ask the Spirit to guide me while I boldly defend the mystery that is the good news, for which I am an ambassador in chains. So pray that I can bravely pronounce the truth as I should do. Friends, this is a powerful portion of Scripture, isn't it? Well, let's take a quick look at where we've been and where we're heading. We're in session C of our investigative journey of the armor of God, and we're sizing up a first-century Roman soldier through the eyes of the Apostle Paul in prison in Rome. And while he lists pieces of armor in one order, I'm calling attention to them in a different order, a head-to-toe order, a top-down order. In session A, we began with the helmet of salvation. In session B, our next piece of armor was the breastplate of righteousness. And in today's session C, we're highlighting the third piece of armor, the belt of truth. The helmet protects the head, which houses our mind, where our thoughts get attacked. The breastplate protects the vital organs, particularly our heart, which can be victimized by lies and deception. Recall Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the wellspring of life. So in the last two sessions, we went into great detail about these first two pieces of armor, their meaning in the Roman military world and their meaning in the spiritual world, including their Old Testament parallels. And as I've shared, Paul's inspiration for this portion didn't just appear out of thin air while he was in prison observing the Roman soldier. The Holy Spirit utilized Paul's knowledge of his Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, and inspired him to bridge these pieces of armor with key statements made by God in the Old Testament. A few key points we've made prior will suffice to recap some concepts that continue to play into this series, such as the word schemes mentioned in verse 11. Our English words, method and methodology, come from this Greek word. Back in Genesis 3.1, Satan is referred to as a crafty serpent. 
Well, schemes and evil in Ephesians 6.11 carries with it craftiness, deceit, well-organized evil, well-crafted trickery, also investigating methodically to adopt a settled plan, cunning, wiles, strategically manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants. Whoa! Friends, are we grasping what Paul is telling us here in Ephesians 6? Is our spiritual life fashioned after the Roman soldier he's been staring at? Do we leave home each day with our helmet of salvation on, our breastplate of righteousness on, and for today's focus, do we put our belt of truth on before we walk out the door? such as verse 11 itself, where our investigative journey began. It implies we will don the full armor of God, consciously prepping to engage our enemy daily. Plus the fuller section, Ephesians six ten through 20 itself, assumes we will have a military mindset and we will be actively training for the spiritual battles we'll face. Paul reiterates this in his counsel to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Rather, they try to please their commanding officer, who, by the way, is Jesus. In Philippians 2.25, he refers to his brother and co-worker in Christ, Epaphroditus, as his fellow soldier. And in his opening greetings to Philemon, mentions Archippus, also his fellow soldier. So, friends, it's pretty clear that the New Testament Christ followers saw themselves as soldiers in Christ's army, and not just living a life of leisure. Instead, they maintained the mindset of a soldier engaged in a military conflict. And as such, they outfitted themselves with a warfare wardrobe. Well, next up, or should I say next down, because we're viewing this soldier's piece of armor from head to toe, in other words, from top to bottom, is the belt of truth the third piece of armor. One translation says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Another says, fashion truth around your waist like a belt. The more traditional rendering is having girded your loins with truth. Notice in our head-to-toe look at the soldier, the helmet of salvation protects the head, which contains the mind where our thoughts exist. The breastplate of righteousness protects the vital organs, especially the heart. The biblical authors speak of the heart in ways that might seem strange to us modern thinkers. The Israelites had no concept of the brain or any word for it. They viewed the heart as the originator of all human intellectual activities. In other words, the heart is where one understands and makes connections. Proverbs tells us that wisdom dwells in the heart, and the heart is where one discerns between truth and error. In the scriptures, the heart is also where one feels emotions. In biblical Hebrew, the heart is where one makes choices motivated by desires. Remember Proverbs 4.23? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the wellspring of life. So, friends, the breastplate of righteousness guards the heart from being victimized by lies and deception and feeds our hearts with truth. Truth was the question of the day in the first century Greco-Roman world, and truth is the question of the day in our 21st century modern world, isn't it? The battle in our day and age is the battle over whether there's absolute truth or just relative truth governed by each individual. And why, friends, we need the belt of truth 
buckled around our waists. Well, just before Jesus was sentenced to be crucified by Pontius Pilate, there's a dialogue between the two recorded in John 18:28 through 40. Read the full account, as I'm just going to highlight a few statements made by Pilate and Jesus. But first, let's pause here a moment. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners to A Word from the Word that's listener-funded. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home, plus those of you who may have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Please join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. We'll repeat this info at the end of the program. Now, the issue here was whether Jesus was the king of the Jews. Pilate sets the tone in verse 33 by asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Shortly after, Pilate divulges to Jesus that your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus replies, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. Well, their bantering continues. Then Jesus says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. To which John records this answer. What is truth, retorted Pilate, as the NIV renders verse 38. The updated Amplified Bible has, Pilate said to him scornfully, what is truth? It seems Pilate didn't wait for Jesus' answer, since the text says he left and went out to the Jewish crowd to offer them a different criminal to exonerate. So it's difficult to know exactly what tone and what attitude Pilate displayed when he asked Jesus, what is truth? Two translations imply a mocking tone or ridicule, or possibly an attitude of contempt or disgust. Either way, the question is worth contemplating, what is truth? In our generation, we might ask it this way, is there truth? Meaning one absolute truth for all times, all people and all places. Well, friends, let's get our detective's cap, pull out our spiritual magnifying glass, and strap on our first century sandals and dig a little deeper into the backstory of our text on the belt of truth, this third piece of armor. In the first century Roman military, a soldier's belt was not just a leather strap like we have today. It was actually a thick, heavy leather and metal band. It did a lot more than just hold up pants, so to speak. The scabbard was attached to it which held the short sword for hand-to-hand combat, plus equipment, ropes, and even food rations. It provided protection for the lower abdomen, the kidneys, and the soldier's groin area, since attached to it were strips of brass plates that hung down. Interestingly, this military belt was also a status symbol. Soldiers wore it on and off duty as a badge of identification. It became such an important part of a soldier's identity that their superiors sometimes took it away as a public humiliating punishment. Friends, it's clear that this quote-unquote belt was central to the soldier's identity, which should alert us to the fact that truth should be a central part of our identity 
as Christ followers. The spiritual parallel in symbolism is, just as the belt held the Roman soldier's short sword, the belt of truth for us holds the sword of the Spirit, linking truth with the Word of God, our Bible, if you will. Interestingly, the sword of the Spirit is the next piece of armor we'll investigate. Well, Paul was not ignorant of his scriptures, and why I submit the Holy Spirit jogged his memory to call to mind the Old Testament parallel in Isaiah 11.5, which says, Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness is the sash around his weight waste, referring to God. Today's meaning seems slightly camouflaged by this text until we unpack two Hebrew terms with our detective's cap and our spiritual magnifying glass. You see, friends, in ancient Near Eastern times, there wasn't an understanding of the term belt like we have now. It could be a waistband, a sash, even a girdle, but it functioned like we'd use a belt. So sash here in the Hebrew may be appropriately be called a belt. And our English word faithfulness is a rich and vibrant Hebrew term carrying the meanings of not just faithfulness, but firmness, steadfastness, stability, moral fidelity, and truth or truthfulness. This is the same word Paul quotes in Romans one seventeen, quoting from Habakkuk 2.4, that says, The righteous will live by faith. In other words, by faithfulness or truthfulness. We could even say that we live by truth. So, friends, this belt of truth Paul mentions in Ephesians 6.14 is a crucial piece of defensive armor, guarding our inmost being in the battle against the lies and deceptions of our enemy. Without a healthy working knowledge of truth, we're left vulnerable to being tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning, the craftiness, the people in deceitful scheming. Did you catch those words, friends? Cunning, craftiness, and scheming? This is now referring to people caught in the deception of the demonic. Shame on them. This is why the very next verse in Ephesians 4, 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up. Friends, let me say categorically that truth is important to God and truth is important to the scriptures. Therefore, truth must be important to us. Each member of the triune God has spoken of as being truth. Deuteronomy 32.4 says that God is a God of truth. Psalm 51.6 adds that this God delights in truth in our inward being. Psalm 25.5 says, lead me in your truth. 25.10 says that all the paths of God are love and truth. Jesus affirms this Old Testament picture of God when he says in John 17.17, 17, sanctify them, his disciples, in the truth. Your word is truth. The Apostle John said in John 1.17 that the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now the cool thing about this word truth in John 17.17, 17, used most often in the New Testament, is how the ancient Greeks viewed it. For them it was synonymous with reality or fact, the opposite of illusion. My friends, isn't this precisely what's happening today? Exchanging truth with illusion? Lies are becoming truth. Illusion is being hawked as reality. In Romans 1.25, 
25, Paul says, The unbelieving world exchanges the truth about God for a lie, worshiping and serving the creature rather than the Creator. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Ephesians 4.21, Paul says to the Ephesian believers that truth is in Jesus. In John 16.13, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, guiding us into all truth. We Christians are to emulate our God. So the Apostle John says in 1 John 3.18 that we're not to just love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. Even the scriptures are called the word of truth in 2 Timothy 2.15. Psalm 33.4 says, For the word of the Lord, Yahweh, is right and true. Psalm 119.160 says, All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Even worship, which is being corrupted in our generation, must be in spirit and in truth. John 4.24 You see, friends, we absolutely need to read and study God's word to know what truth is and spot the lies of the enemy, whether in books, movies, TV, radio, the internet, and even from our own churches and friends. One thing we can't miss when we read Ephesians six ten through 20 is that we're called to be prepared. We can't read Ephesians or other New Testament letters and come away thinking the call to us Christians is anything other than a call to warfare. Shame on us, friends, if we've been lulled into dreamy carelessness and not see the need for decisive readiness. So, friends, let's put on our gospel armor. Romans thirteen twelve says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ding, ding, ding. I said in a previous session that putting on the armor is putting on Christ. Strapping on our belt of truth is equipping ourselves with the truth of Jesus. Since the gospel came to us as the truth, we're now truth livers and truth tellers, telling others that only the truth of the gospel can dispel the lies of the evil one and set us free. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program, and as promised, we'll close with an email where you may inquire about helping a word from the word, which is listener-funded. I love coming alongside you without a church home, or you who've been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are posted at faithtalk1360.com and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net, we're heard in over 70 countries. Friends, if these teachings are helping you grow and nudging you to study God's Word more, please invest in the mission of a word from the Word. Help us become fully funded. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.